Hello, my name is Brandon Boat, and you're listening to the Theater of Public Policy podcast, which presents the interviews from our live shows in Minneapolis. We have two guests on our show today to talk about the Minnesota Legislature, and honestly, it's one of my favorite interviews that we've done. Our first guest is Brianna Bierschbach, who at the time was the Capitol reporter for MinPost, though she has accepted a position at Minnesota Public Radio. Our second guest is Mary LaHammer, who is an anchor, producer, and reporter for Twin Cities Public Television's Almanac program. Our media sponsor this season is MinPost, which provides reader-supported news and analysis. You can read local, state, and national news at MinPost.com. Thank you all so much for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Um, so, uh, we're... I, w- I was at the Capitol today, saw both of you there. It was very exciting. And um, uh, before we talk about what's happening at the Capitol right now, I kind of want to talk about where we were supposed to be sort of right now in some ways, right? Because when we started talking about having you both on the show, it was before the session, I think, had actually started. And at that time, people were saying, I think on Almanac I saw and I read in MinPost, this is going to be like a do-nothing session because we have a lame duck governor uh, and we have divided government. Uh, everybody is running for something else. And so the kind of conventional wisdom was nothing's going to happen. And is that where we are? Is that what happened? No, this was the surprise session. It was surprise! To, surprise! It was supposed to be short and sweet and simple. And it's anything but. Because of kind of breaking news. I, I like to say journalism had a little part in some <laughs> of the things the lawmakers now have to deal with. So elder abuse, you know, Star Tribune did that big series and everybody went, ah. This is bad. We got to do something. So elder abuse popped up. You know, Minlars was a lot of great reporting that brought it up too. And then the federal tax conformity. That's kind of the big sticky thing. So all of these, like from elder abuse to the tax conformity, make for great improv comedy. But I just, (laughs) just just, but uh, to try and say. So when you say like stuff had to happen, like. Uh, how so, like what does that actually pan out to mean? Like how to who's sort of making something happen, or how can you sort of tell like oh they've decided they have to do something on this? Yeah, I mean I think they say they have to do something on it, right? Because everybody wants to look like they're going to do something about a problem, and and the question is you know in the next few weeks whether they actually do. We still haven't seen any kind of federal tax conformity bill. We still haven't seen any final package on um, the elder abuse issue or sexual harassment. Not to plug another thing that came up that last journalism year. broke and <laughs> yeah. a journalist here in particular uh, we're starting yes. to see movement on that but there's a lot of stuff that they they say they want to do things on but i don't know if there actually are right like you can't actually you can't actually know until the very end because a lot of times i think when there's um a lot of contention even the things people want to all say they want to get done don't get done see okay so this is a piece that is fascinating to me is that you all are at, we have a session that lasts approximately two months or three months, depending on the year, somewhere in that range. And there are things that are happening every day. I was there today. There were like three press conferences yeah. before 11 a.m. And like, uh, I wish I could get that excited about them still, Dane. I love it. It's the beer. So um, maybe I should have a yeah. drink. But, but then it does, I, to the casual observer, myself included, it feels like, and in the end, it's like, 
the Speaker of the House, the Senate Majority Leader, and the Governor all like get into a room, and then actually there's like four hours that really matter, mm-hmm. sort of. Is yeah. that yeah. an overly cynical way of looking at it? No, yeah. it's a, it's like the most accurate way I've ever heard it described, actually. Um, <laughs> so why do we do the rest well of the session, then? <laughs> like, what it, couldn't we all just decide, like, all right, let's just lock these three guys, like, in the cabinet room for, like, a couple hours? Well, they, and- there are three bills already signed into law <laughs> to play non-cynic here. Okay. Yeah, and they were all significant. They weren't little piddly things. They were real. Okay. Yeah, there was already one Minlar's bill through. The funding of the legislature, to remember the legislature and the governor, went to the state Supreme Court. They fought over this so much in session seven. They're like, eh, it's okay. It's over. Let's just pass so this, this little is, bill. Yeah. Let's, let's do one more yeah. rewind just in case okay. folks forgot this sort of insane like thing that happened last year, which is that the session ended last year and the legislature went left and they, they uh, called the session to a close. And then there were a few days when the governor still had power to decide whether or not he was going to mm-hmm. pa- sign or veto things. And he line item vetoed the funding for the legislature, basically saying like legislature, like you got to uh, buy your own like toothpicks from now on <laughs> or whatever it is. And, It was a huge fight. Like you said, it went to the state Supreme Court. And I remember one of the things that really was getting fought out there, in addition to, like, the funding, was, oh, this is going to poison the well for the – did it? Like, do they they look at each other ugly now? Do they say, like, oh, no, Dayton, you're going to pick up lunch today because (laughs) we don't have a salary anymore? I don't know if it – you know, they're they're all playing nice right now, which is usual. I think at this point they're all trying to be friendly because they want something from each other at the end of the day. Um, I think some people also think it might poison the well in future sessions that now – I mean, the Supreme Court ruled that his veto was okay. I mean, the legislature didn't actually run out of money, and that might have been a different story if they had. They tapped into some reserve funds. But um, the thought is that a future governor might be like, I don't like what you're doing. I'm just going to veto your funding. So we don't know. That could happen yet. And a former governor even said, I remember Governor Plenty's spokesman said, hey, if this were legal, we would have done it for sure. Yeah. And now it is. And now it is. So, I mean, that's... Or constitutional is more the question. I mean, in theory, though, the legislature could just... Uh, override like that line item veto in theory like they could fund themselves yeah, but it takes some... a super majority it's not yeah. easy and yeah. they weren't in session when he they vetoed it so right. they were kind of they'd lost their their chip in that part of the debate which is part of what the supreme court said you left you couldn't actually mm-hmm. get funded right yeah. oh, wow crazy so and it was retaliatory if you want to do one more rewind yeah. because they forced the governor to sign a tax bill because there was a little line tucked into the tax bill saying the department of revenue only gets funded if you sign this bill so he was kind of forced into signing a bill so he was like I'm going to get even and take that. I just line item you because you forced me to sign this bill I didn't want to sign. And so, okay, so this is another place though, <clears throat> because this thing getting tucked into there, yeah. that also seems to happen every year, uh-huh. right? Like, and I've yeah. heard you both, like, again, on Almanac, uh, in Min Post, on NPR places. Those are great uh, plugs. Thank uh, you. Uh, yeah. do, like, <laughs> Thank you. doing, uh, like, session wrap-ups where you're like, we're still reading, like, the final bill. And you're like, but wait a second, the session's over, and you were talking about this for two months. So are they literally, like, writing these bills then in the last, like, hours? Yes. And they can, like, sneak something in there, like, the governor has to wear purple pants on Mondays or something. <laughs> totally. That'd be great. It'd be interesting. I mean, he didn't, he barely caught this too, right? I mean, the, the dreaded omnibus bill, which is a bill where it's huge and it encompasses all sorts of stuff. Um, and that can include sneaky stuff too. And these bills are almost always being drafted. They come out with a, a first round of omnibus bills. Those get vetoed sometimes. And then at the very end, they throw new ones together. I've even heard rumors about a super omnibus bill this year, which would be one giant bill that has everything They called in it, it the omnibus omnibus. Omnibus. 
stuff. Yeah, it was horrible. That's not a very clever term. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, I like super omnibus better. <laughs> I do too. That would be better. Super omnibus. Uh, so, talk to us then. Yeah. Like, what? I always wonder what are actual legislators sort of do they? They must get this like sort of rank and file. Back bench leg- somebody's laughing already, but like, are you a legislator? Hi! Uh, like, are they just sitting there like, oh, uh, I'm going to work really hard, and then hopefully, like, you know, Kurt Dowd and Paul Gazelka will actually remember what I did, like, <laughs> once we get into this special room with the right table. Or maybe they'll even have time to read the bill, because the bills are written so late, and there's sometimes just minutes or hours left to pass them at the end of session. So not only does the governor have to figure what's... In the bill, after the bill's passed, lawmakers don't even necessarily always know what's in the bill. These can be hundreds and hundreds of pages that drop on your desk, and everybody's like, vote, and you just have to trust what's in there. And one of the reasons the little provision that forced the governor to sign the tax bill was in there, and we knew about it, is because somebody bragged. Oh, wait, say more about that. Who bragged and how? (laughs) Well, one of the lawmakers who came up with the idea was just so proud of himself, he couldn't resist telling some reporters about it. This seems that seems like the dumbest thing that you could possibly do, right? Except if you're a reporter, it's yeah. great. No, that's great. Does this happen a lot? Do you I mean, how often are you just like, yeah, yeah, uh sure, senator, like keep keep going. I'm yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the exciting world of politics, sneaking a tiny provision in an omnibus bill is like 10, you know? That's like the yeah. most exciting thing mm-hmm. that can happen. And then like bragging about it stealthily and then having a reporter tweet about it, it's like, yes, you know, they, yeah. they won. Oh, they yeah. like that. Oh, yes. totally. Yes. They, they weren't like, oh, sh- no. I shouldn't have said They were that. like, yay me. Look what I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. This is a thing that, I, I mean, it, it's too easy maybe to compare like the legislature to, you know, high school, like lunchroom, cafeteria, but the more, no, it's not. Somebody's <laughs> yelling from the audience, but uh, the more you talk about it, the more it, really does oh yeah there's like the cool kid click and the smart people and oh yeah who's in the who are in these clicks go ahead just start naming some names uh, we can't do that can we no other than say they exist there's also someone who controls the seating chart on the house floor Mm -hmm. and if like they don't like you you get put in the back row of the seat wait is it a is it a like member of the body who controls this or is it yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's like sort of unspoken. Some people like being in the back row because they can because they can of- smoke back there <laughs> and like throw once upon a get to the bathroom quicker. But the, some people don't want to be back there and they get put back there anyway. Oh, wow. Or the one lone seat on the house floor. If you look at the seating chart, there's one little lonely seat that up has front nothing next to it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is that like that the- lawmaker's no longer there? It's at the naughty thanks to chair- Brianna's excellent reporting. <laughs> Oh wow! So was that purposeful that they were they were? I was about to make a joke that they were in the naughty chair, and now it really seems like they were literally in the naughty chair. Um, that was so British. <laughs> right, I'm just having a drink. Um, so, Everyone, uh, okay. should that be our drinking game? Yeah, that should be our drinking naughty game. Chair. Yeah, naughty chair. Um, so there's a British person in the audience. There is, yeah. yes. Um, <laughs> So, uh, a couple, like, specific things. So, we, we mentioned Min Lars. Can you just, like, what was that? And is it fixed now? Definitely not. Um, <laughs> it's the worst name in, in, like, the history of names of things. And everyone just calls it Min Lars. I don't know if regular people know what that means. Let's ask him. Does, like, we can't see you because you're all in the dark. So, everybody do know what Min Lars is. Yes? No? No. 
Okay. Thank you. That's helpful. So several people are like, yes, damn it. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm deep in it with Min Lars. Those people actually tried to go get a license and registration system. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's an online system that yeah. rolled out in July that where you can renew your tabs and license and all that. And it's really important. People need these things to be able to drive their cars. Um, and they can't, a lot of them can't do that, or it took them months to do that because of technical glitches. And so they um, sent emails that went unresponded, made phone calls, hundreds of thousands of phone calls that went unresponded. Returned, um, and we found out that just last month we thought these things were getting fixed. They're not. There's still like I think 300,000 phone calls in February alone. So the problem's still there, and it's going to be talked about for the rest of session. And this was a thing that uh, the legis they they did pass a bill to put a bunch more money into this. But a th- short term, but now they still want more, more money, money right. longer term. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and the money is supposed to go, but then obviously they still need to fix. The stuff. The right? money goes to paying the people who are fixing it, um, and they can all get better jobs where they're not getting probably yelled at. And um, <laughs> IT people are in high demand, and this, and they were afraid they were going to lose people, contractors working on it. So um, that's where a lot of the money goes to, and so, to the call centers that are taking all these calls. Just, just the punching bags yes. of like people furious yeah. about um, not getting their tax. Yeah, okay, and there's fine. like the cynical political view is maybe don't fix it because then you can beat up on the Democratic administration all the way through November. Oh, that is cynical. <laughs> um, say, look, government doesn't work. Right. Why should we even yes. tab Min our cards sure didn't at all? Work. Min Lars didn't work. Those yeah. will be talking points in November. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, and then the tax bills are like this week. I know that not to preview Almanac at the Capitol. Thank you very uh, much. Is, <laughs> this week is tax week, right? And so what... What is Mark Dayton, Governor Dayton, released a tax bill earlier. Eons ago in legislative time, which is weeks Eons ago. Eons ago. Yeah. And then for some reason, and I'm curious both of your thoughts on this, the House Republicans released their tax bill like on Saturday afternoon with like a month. What is the... It just seems like that's when you sort of like, you know, I call maybe my mother when I don't really want to talk to her at a time when I know she's going to be at the gym or something like that. And like, is that why they they released the tax bill on a Saturday afternoon? I was with my mom at that time, and I definitely didn't read it on Saturday afternoon. I think that a lot of people think that was the design. You you got some highlights, some bullet points of their favorite things about it, but not no very few people were sitting there on their a beautiful Saturday afternoon digging in. Um, but reporters are doing that this week, but um, it would have been a, gotten a lot more attention right away if it would have happened last week. That's, and so, uh, do we know, what's the fight then about the tax conformity bill? Oh, there's a bill? big old fight. Yeah. The governor says, I'm cutting tons of taxes, and then Republicans say, no, he's raising tons of taxes, so they can't even agree on the facts. Yeah. Whose bill does what? So whose bill does what? <laughs> <laughs> Depends on your political perspective. What just to help us to understand the fight, like what? Because yeah. I have seen that headline, like uh, Governor Dayton's bill will raise taxes on everybody, and then I see Governor Dayton's staff say, "No, that's wrong. We're going to lower taxes." So, what? How does this discrepancy come about? Well, the problem is it's super complicated because what happened is the federal tax bill passed; it didn't line up at all with our tax code, um, and they have to line it all up. But in lining it up, some people get tax increases. So, what they're trying to do is basically mitigate the number of people who are going to be getting a tax increase. Because of the way the federal bill was written, certain Minnesotans, especially people with families, they might get hit with paying more taxes. And this is a piece I did not know until... All of a sudden, I'm aware of the fact that our 
tax law in Minnesota is just it mirrors the federal law. Yes. I didn't get that. So one of six it. states yep. that use this number that starts with the federal taxable income, which is super boring. But it it basically means we start at the same base as the federal level and add our exemptions from there. So they want to delink us from that so we can set our own exemptions, which everybody seems to agree on doing mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. It's just the rest of it. You know, Dayton wants to raise some uh, business taxes. Republicans don't want to do that. You know, they don't agree on um, what kind of individuals and in, in Minnesota families should get tax cuts. So that's what they're going to have to work out all at the end. Yeah. And the semantics of if you make a tax that existed before, come back. Is that a tax increase mm-hmm. or a tax that's scheduled to sunset that you don't sunset? Then is that a tax increase or not? So that's the semantics in it. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> I love it. So the, the tax bill got a laugh. Uh, good. Yay. Um, I wish we could. Yeah. And so the uh, the conformity, then the the fight will be over how we structure this in this. But it does seem like and if I if. mean we don't have to do it, right? And what happens yeah. if we don't? Minnesotans don't get a very good deal because high tax states like ours don't do so well under the federal government, and your form gets really, really, really long. Yeah, and they, the. This, the argument we've heard now is we can wait and the next legislature and administration can deal with it, but they're coming in in January um, and they're going to, and it's incredibly complicated if they can't even get it done this session. The thought of them getting it done before tax season starts um, next year is uh, almost inconceivable. But they're gambling on a new governor. That's part of it. If you wait till January, maybe you have a governor of your party that you like, then maybe the legislature and the governor is all of the same party. So they're kind of so rolling the dice. So Republicans are gambling perhaps. on that. Perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> that brings us, again, uh, for a while it felt like, you know, you, it was easier to count the people in the legislature who weren't running for some other office <laughs> than who were. Um, but that seems to have narrowed down a little bit. But does that still show up? Do you all find, like, you know, the legislators who are like, oh, I'm going to do this crazy thing. I'm going <laughs> to show up and do a backflip on the in order to, like, win votes to become a Noka County Sheriff. I don't know. Um <laughs> I'd Thank you. Person. One person's here from Anoka. Good. <laughs> we see it a lot of extra press releases. That's what I yeah. notice. When any major policy comes out, our inbox is full of all these lawmakers who are doing press releases as lawmakers. But it just so happens that all those lawmakers are also running for higher office, and they didn't used to comment on every single policy that came out. That's one way I notice it. I think we'd be seeing it more if A, Dayton was running again, and mm-hmm. B, Speaker Doubt was running. And he, as far as we know now, is is not He's he's been openly what was his term? Well, I think if Polanyi's not in, actively he's considering out. it, yeah, he said yeah. I'm not actively considering it, which means it maybe like in the back of my mind I might jump in if if I'm not actively, actively considering, considering it. it. Yeah, like that is such a great like, like Minnesotan way of not <laughs> saying no with saying no. Uh, I, I love so, yes. but your your thought is if Polanyi's in the race, he's gonna stick around as as. Speaker. And that's pretty much yep. what he said. Yeah, that's yeah. what he said. Um, and uh, so I, I, I do. Let's talk a minute about some of these other characters who are sort of like. Actually, we started talking about Dayton right there. I mean, uh, I've heard people describe Dayton as just sort of like a wild card. Like you just sort of <laughs> never know what he's going to do or whatnot. And particularly now that he's not running for anything again, he's just sort of like wakes up and he's like, "I'm going to defund the legislature," or who knows. <laughs> Um, is that fair? Or yeah, like- well, he himself labeled his second term. He walked in. I think it was when the first press conference he did in his mm-hmm. second term. He's like, it's going to be Dayton Unbound. Which <laughs> He <what>? promised Which- it. <laughs> unbound. And, and every time he would do something unexpected, he'd be like, that was Dayton Unbound. 
there's the Stormy Daniels movie of the same title, but um, <laughs> wow, did I go there? It's, uh, so, uh, it's it, do people do people? Uh, how do they? I gotta just breathe. Yeah, that's right. Um, and how does that show up then? Like, does I, again in terms of like these negotiations that happen or whatnot? Well, legislators will say they never know what he's going to do, and he changes his positions in the middle of things. And he'll say, you know, I I can change my mind. I have every right to do that. Um, you know, I think he. I think that when you talk about how Minnesotans perceive him, he's fairly popular. I think his polling numbers are really high. I think he kind of just says what he thinks, and people like that. It doesn't necessarily feel like they're being spun. But, yeah, you can definitely see moments where at a press conference he says something. Like I remember when he announced um, he had collapsed during his State of the State address last year, and the next day he was giving his budget address. He's like, oh, by the way, I also have prostate cancer. And his staff didn't know he was going to say that. It just came out of nowhere. And he, he just kind of was like, I should let you know, by the way. And he just said it. So he's kind of, he just says what he says, and that's how he's going to do it. And I think everybody. I remember once upon a time there was sort of a a colloquialism that, like, oh, uh, you can tell uh, based on what Governor Dayton says out in public if Tina Smith his then lieutenant mm-hmm. governor and before that chief of staff is in town or not because if she's out of town <laughs> then he's just I think like, she was there though wasn't she there for the prostate cancer announcement she was the there day after he, fainting she was yeah. there when he fainted for yeah sure. definitely um, she was right so there maybe, right when he fainted yeah, yeah. so maybe that's other, why eventually she's just like yeah I'll go to the senate I can't control this guy anymore <laughs> like so and he she didn't control him on that day because the line I'll always remember from Dayton Unbound announcing his prostate cancer he did he glanced down and he said Last time I checked, there are no brain cells down there. <laughs> nice. So everyone asked if he was fit to serve. And yeah, he was so like, we I'm had fine. to ask him, you know, if he could serve. Yeah. He's fit. <laughs> so we had to think about that. <laughs> oh, fun. Uh, so this show got, like, somehow filthier than any other show we've done in a long time. It's so, very dark, and uh, there's alcohol. <laughs> so uh, another character. So Tina Smith is now a senator. You probably have seen that. Um, and um, where she's... So now we have another, uh, we have a new uh, lieutenant governor, Senate majority leader. uh, This is like straight out of some sort of soap opera or something like that. So constitutionally, just to try and tee this up, the way that it's supposed to work seemingly is that the the Senate, if the lieutenant governor, you know, is gone for whatever reason, the Senate majority leader automatically becomes lieutenant governor. In this case, that would mean. Republican Senator Michelle Fishbach becomes lieutenant governor, which is weird because then you have a DFL governor and uh, Republican lieutenant governor, and she didn't want to, like, stop being a senator. Mm -hmm. She didn't want this thing, right? So how's that all working out? (laughs) It's kind of crazy. um, I mean, why do I have to explain this? I was just trying to share the love. Yeah. Well, let me let me ask you this setup question, which I actually know that Mary has an answer okay. for this, although yes. I don't know what your answer is. What do you just call her? Because that seems okay. like a politically it's a fraught great question. question. And do you call her Senate Majority Leader, or do you call her Lieutenant Governor, or do you call her Legitimatorisator? <laughs> that wouldn't sound good on TV, because my medium is television. We actually have to put a name. We call it a super, a graphic over her that describes her and right now we're doing senator slash lieutenant governor we're doing both because she says she is both although the the thing about this the constitution says the last presiding officer of the senate automatically ascends to lieutenant governor but she never took the oath (laughs) is this like a like a a henry the eighth annulment kind of thing yeah. like i never actually said i do at the <laughs> wedding i just i said i do 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 and 
but it'll hold up in court, I'm sure. So, um, <laughs> so how is this actually? I mean, like, there's actually a court case about this, right? Yeah, they just refiled. They had a lawsuit. The judge tossed it out. They said this isn't ready yet because she hasn't actually taken any votes or been sworn in for their latest term in the Senate. So she's now done that. She's now taken votes. So they're going to they refiled their lawsuit, basically, and they want to see where it goes this time. Okay, And just to play this out, uh, if it were discovered, like, actually, no, you can't be both of these things. Does she have to be lieutenant governor? Is it some like she says? I think the plan is she's going to resign or run. Because you can run, I believe, and then resign from lieutenant governor. So she could run for her own Senate seat that she has technically right now, and then as soon as she's elected, resign from the office of the lieutenant governor. And here's the interesting part. If the court says she's not a Senate senator right now, the Senate right now has a 34-33 margin. If she somehow gets kicked out of the Senate, it's tied at 33-33. And in the legislature, you can't pass anything with a tie vote. The The... Phrases, it's a tie and you die. And so does that mean that everything that she voted on previously is like no good? Like because she was they could technically argue it. not And there a have senator. been 34, 33 votes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, that's why the case is now ripe. That's what the judge has said, that it wasn't ripe. Disgusting. <laughs> uh, so, right. Uh, his words. Yeah. So, uh, okay, so the, this is all very, uh, we're, we're just about done, and I should remind everyone, the second half of the show, we open up for you all to ask questions. Um, last person, last character I wanted to ask about is Paul Thiessen, mm-hmm. who was a majority, or he was Speaker of the House mm-hmm. when the uh, Democrats controlled the House. Just Governor Dayton named him to be a new Minnesota Supreme Court Justice. Um, I, I, one of the things that we were talking, I was talking about before uh, when that all happened was there wasn't really much sort of noise from Republicans about that, which you would think like, oh, he was like, he's not just sort of like any old legislator. He's not sort of like a middle of the road guy. He was like a very kind of DFL partisan mm-hmm. guy. And now he's on the Supreme Court. But it just sort of seemed like everybody was like, eh, whatever. Yeah, he was running for governor not that long right, ago. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, his going away speech um you know he I, he got a, a huge applause i think mm-hmm. that um i everybody was happy for him because hmm. he did a lot of good work over his years Absolutely. in the legislature and i think there were definitely partisan moments he was in a very partisan role um but you heard at the end of it the speaker of the house saying thank you for your service you mm-hmm. know I, I was surprised though because there have been less political appointments that were made into being a very political appointment and this would seem to be the most um but you're right that's a really great conversation it, it really was not a, st- a stink was not made about him being appointed. And I'd say it's a bit of the tradition of the body. I've been there my whole life. So my dad was a political reporter before me at the Capitol. So I literally kind of like crawled and walked up there. And we have seen this for a long time. And I've been there for 20 years now that there is this tradition of being really happy for your members when they go on to bigger and better. Ron Abrams, who was a state representative, went on and became a judge. And he came back and swore in members. And everybody, I mean, there were like teary eyes on both sides of the aisle. Steve Simon, a former state representative, when he became secretary of state, the day he returned and they announced and both sides of the aisle roared and applauded. So there is a little bit of this tradition of being like proud of your own. Like he's one of us. Yeah. Oh, that's that's so nice. Local boy made good. I you know. <laughs> local local legislator. He really made something of himself in the end. <laughs> like, very Minnesota. He rose out of these just squalid conditions we have here in the Minnesota House. And have you been on the House floor? <laughs> I, they don't let me on anymore. Okay. So. They kind of eat, sleep, and drink on the floor. This is still filthy. Uh, so, 
again, I should say, we're going to open this up for you on the second half. But for now, please, one more time, a big round of applause for our two amazing guests. Marilyn yeah. Hammer, Brianna Okay. All right, if you have a question, raise your hand. I will come towards you in a non-threatening manner with this microphone. It's been a very long winter. What's oh, what? What? No, no, never. What's special about a special session sing? It seems to happen so often. Yeah, there's nothing special about a special session. I think I've covered like uh, eleven or twelve of them, and I've only been at the legislature covering it for like eight years. So they happen all the time, and they're already talking about doing one this year potentially if they don't get the tax bill done. Some people don't like that idea like me but um, or the governor or the governor he, he did have a quote last week it the, specifically it was there'll be no special session no special session no special session it's did like he wishing it did he click quote. his heels <laughs> as he said it but that might work <laughs> it was three times it was. <laughs> so uh, i mean why I, again this kind of goes back to the conversation we we're having in the first half but why do we always end up then in a special session well, they have deadlines, and they go all the way up to the end of them, and then they get a deal. Like, I think last session at midnight, or right before midnight, they got a handshake deal. Um, literally, the, the only thing that made that happen was the fact that it was almost midnight. And then they had all this work they had to do. So they had a handshake deal, and then they quickly, not so quickly, actually, it took like two or three days, uh, got the rest of the work done. But I think it's just that people are bad at meeting deadlines, ultimately. <laughs> and I'll use a sports analogy, too. It's kind of like overtime. Like, they end with a tie, and we have to go to overtime. And often that special session is immediately after or mm -hmm. within a day or two after session. We used to have a ton of special sessions whenever there was a natural disaster. Yeah. They actually took care of that. So now a governor and an administration can say, okay, it just flooded again. Let's send them some money. So they don't have to come back in for that. And special sessions are kind of a nightmare because um, you have parameters that you sort of agree on what can actually come up in the special session, but people can also bring up anything they want, and they can quickly unravel, and they almost have several times. I mean, suddenly they could... I think the longest one was several months after it started. It kept going on there in the 70s. My dad in the 70s covered a special session and a regular session that were both going on at the same time. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Is that right, Eric? Eric's in the back. Yes, yes, he's acknowledging. <laughs> All right, other questions if you have a question. Oh, good. All the way in the, that's good. I just have to uh, kill time while I'm going up here. If anybody knows any jokes or, nope, I made it. Okay. <laughs> so, so you guys talked about the, the bad boys that resigned in, in the beginning of the session. Are there more bad boys? Are there more issues coming up? More shoes to drop? I, maybe. Um... We, oh, they exist. Yeah. We don't know whether it will be on the record or not. Well, that's the thing about um, yeah. the Me Too movement is that women are deciding that they want to tell their stories. So until people are comfortable talking about it and saying on the record, this is what happened, um, you know, I don't think more of those will come out. So Mary's right. If, if people want to talk, then there will be more stories. And there are, there are more, I mean, decades worth of stories at the Capitol. Not everybody's there anymore, but there are certainly people there who... People are talking about. But we can't do the story without someone being willing to talk and go on the record. That's how it works. Yeah. Can I ask that as a broader question? I mean, how, how many stories are there just like that where you're just like, oh, my gosh, I know so many things that we cannot, like, do a story about, but it would be so good. No, there's a lot. Too many. 
Oh, that's like yeah. every journalist, yeah. you know, you're just sitting on stuff that you maybe hope one day people tell you things sometimes that they don't think you'll ever write about. And you're kind of like, why did you just tell me that? You know, I'm the worst person you could have planted that seed with. And now I can't really do anything with it. Um, not that we don't try, but you know, that's, that's part of the way it goes. You, you sit with them and try to get them when you can. And sometimes you don't. That's why off the record exists. I always say I want to move off the record to on the record. And so the other, so there's things that people say to you off the record because they don't want them to. But then are there also stories, I'm just curious, have there been stories that either of you have tried to cover where it's just like, this is on the record, it's important, and I don't know how to make it a story because it's complicated or it's messy or I don't know what the hook is or something like that? Can you think of anything like that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, most of what I write about, I feel like most people think is super boring and I have to find a way to make them interested. You know, obviously if they're working on it or there's some bill related to it, um, that's always a good way to try to get... Um, but yeah, a lot of things that I think are really important, people don't necessarily... Uh, like I, I do explainers, which is really fun. You're like, oh, do you know what a bonding bill is? I mean, I barely knew what a bonding bill was until I wrote that story. So I, I was like, let's just... It's bonding year. Let's do an explainer. And people loved it. Um, for whatever reason, y'all are just as weird as I am. Um, so you, it was a really <laughs> popular story. Okay, if you have a question, raise your hand. I will come towards you from... Uh, up here and the, uh, okay good they're all the way on the other side again uh, you're getting a good workout out. didn't you already go running this afternoon yes Kate? I did yeah. I got my steps in okay, okay. here we go good. Okay, my question is regarding Minlars um, I had to renew my tabs in March I sent them in as I always do and I got them in two weeks and I thought so what is the big deal yeah. so is Minlars supposed to replace completely what we have now or will it be an add on to doing it the conventional way I believe it's an add-on to doing it. You can still send it in um, the old-fashioned way. I think a lot of people want the convenience of being able to do things online. There's State government is moving more and more. You can re- reserve a place at a state park online. You can do all sorts of things online that you used to not be able to do. And I think people want that convenience, and, and when it... And they didn't have it before, but now that, you know, that it's available, everybody seems to want to use it. And when it doesn't work, it's really frustrating. So it's IT is something that in government and whether government should be doing IT at all is a really another big issue this session, you know, because this didn't go great. Uh, Mincher was another government IT project that had a lot of technical problems. And there's a big one coming up, the real ID. Um, They have to create a whole new system to give everybody new IDs so that we can fly and uh, a, a year or we don't really know when they're actually going to come down with that deadline. So that's a big debate. Uh, should government be doing IT projects at yeah. all? And there's a bill right now in the legislature trying to deal with this saying, you know, maybe government shouldn't do IT and maybe we should require outsourcing. There's a lot of resistance because they're like, what if we just have to make a little tiny tweak? Then we have to go out and get a bid from a private company to just do a tiny little tweak and that could be a real problem. Mm-hmm. So it's being debated, but it is moving through the process. Yeah. Uh, yes, there is. So you had some valid criticisms about the way legislation is done. And uh, Paul Thiessen, on his way out of the chamber, left behind some recommendations uh, for improvements that deal with just what you were talking about, the overuse of omnibus bills, the timing problems, waiting till the last minute. What are the chances of some or all of those reforms actually making it through? 
I think it's rare that anyone in power wants to reform. You tend to want to reform once you leave power and say, well, that was kind of horrible now that I can look back at it. I think it's really hard when you have the control to give up the control. And the omnibus thing, I loved how you guys did the omnibus. <laughs> that was awesome. But we did a story a couple weeks ago on Almanac about that a record number of bills have been introduced, more bills than ever in the history of the state of Minnesota. But actually, fewer laws are passing because they're bundling everything together. And technically, our Constitution says every bill can only have one subject. And there have been challenges, and those challenges still stand up. So the answer isn't in the courts right now, but reforming themselves, which is just really hard to do when you have the control. Institutional changes are always hard to come by. I, I, you know, a big one, too, is whether the legislature should subject itself to the state's data practices laws. Um, they're the only big government agency or government agency that doesn't have to give up its records or its emails or anything like that, um, which is a huge problem, I think. And that's one of the things journalists talk about all the time. So we should, we should just flesh that out quickly in that the Data Practices Act right now in Minnesota allows it. So if, I, uh, if we wanted to get sort of the records from... Hennepin County in terms of what people were doing on official government email servers mm-hmm. or whatnot. Uh, you have a right as journalists and also just as regular citizens, citizens yeah. to get access to see those things. Mm-hmm. Um, you're saying the legislature is like the one place where that is not the case? And that's because they have to pass the law requiring themselves to be subject to the data practices law. They, they made everybody else subject to it except for themselves. Um, and it's this big glaring omission. And, and some legislators are acknowledged. Paul Thiessen, for one, um, has tried to, to start a commission that would study the idea, which is like, oi. But, you know, at least it's a start. Um, <laughs> it's but, like, oi, the <laughs> But it, it, it's just hard, you know, unless the public gets really mad and wants um, this changed, they probably won't change it. Yeah, no, it took you, you took like, you know, the Nixon controversy for the last change in the legislature to do open meeting laws. So mm-hmm. they've gone baby steps, but it takes major like government scandal to get reform. Okay, I want to make sure if there are hands that I'm going to acknowledge those hands, because otherwise right, I'll right ask there. questions. <laughs> what do you see as the big issues for the next election? Uh, what do you think they're going to push with the issues? I think we're going to be hearing about guns a lot. I think that we're already hearing about that um, just because people who were frustrated that nothing happened after the Parkland shooting are going to be just as frustrated this fall, and they're already sort of mobilizing around this specific issue. So I think guns are going to be a huge issue. Um, but you always hear about taxes and spending. Um, and, and I'm also wondering if we're going to hear a lot about marijuana in this uh, election, particularly from the DFL side. Yeah, we have the most restrictive medical marijuana, which I think you guys really demonstrated quite well. <laughs> I mean, that is always There it. is no smoking. Well, There's just oils and There pills. are oils and yeah. things. And it's yes. interesting to me because, uh, you know, people, I've heard people say, oh, Minnesota is still like a progressive state. You know, how is it that you all haven't done medical... Mm-hmm. At least marijuana, if not recreational, I'd be like, we didn't, we couldn't buy alcohol on Sundays until like a week ago, and so we'll probably have marijuana in like twenty thirty five or something, and when everybody else is doing it already, um, baby uh, steps, baby steps. We're the state of baby steps. So um, I, I wanted to talk about this, like the question of the issues that are coming up. A couple quick things. I'm always curious. So many things, as we talked about in the first half, come down to these just party line votes. Like, 
34, 35, a lot of things. Who Are there legislators who are, like, fun because they just are wild cards more often than other people? Like, that you can sort of be like, oh, if yeah. anybody's going to, like, go rogue on this, it's going to be so-and-so. Yeah, there, there's uh, a handful. Gene Pulowski yeah. in the House is yep. one who you never really know what he's going to do. He's from Winona, I believe, mm-hmm. a school teacher, mm-hmm. a civics teacher, mm-hmm. um, who really likes golf, and he really likes voting against his party occasionally. It's really, he's interesting, and he kind of sits, like, in one of those weird desks in the front. He's got an Audi chair. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> probably because he votes yeah. across party lines. I don't know. It's no um, accident. Yeah, he's uh, he's one, but there's actually fewer and fewer of those every yeah, year. I, I mean, it's they're really becoming uh, they group a cluster. It depends on the issue too. Like the marriage issue, we definitely yeah. did see some Republicans peel off and vote for marriage equality. Mm-hmm. We saw Pat Garofalo. Many of those aren't there Loon. anymore. Yeah, those are the only two who are still there. Mm-hmm. Several of them are not there. Mm-hmm. Um. So how many of the things then, uh, to go to the gentleman's question, are sort of setting up for the fall in terms of what oh, we're trying oh, to think of? Oh, a lot. That's, that's, the governor's been incredibly frustrated all the way through on this Minlars thing because he kept saying, I don't know if the other side of the aisle actually wants to fix it because it's such great politics and they want to run against it. Even though the governor's not running, it, like I said earlier, it's great to say government doesn't work, so we need to change it and put a new party in. So it's good fodder for November. Well, and when Mary said there's so many bills being introduced, that's because they're election year bills. You know, They don't necessarily intend for them to get a vote. They are out there to say to their, one base or another, hey, I put this bill out there. You like that. You should vote for me. And this is a thing, uh, you know, uh, spending a lot of time with somebody who's a journalist that he taught me early on was that don't pay any attention to the bills that are introduced. Like anybody can introduce a (laughs) bill and like everybody introduces like bills constantly just because then they can say, oh, I introduced a bill in the legislature (laughs) that would have made it so that uh, everybody has to like, you know, walk to work every day. You just shot holes in my big story I did a little while back. Oh, I'm sorry. No, but it's okay. But it's true, actually. (laughs) The The only reason I really thought that story was interesting because the previous record of bill introduction was set under an all-DFL legislature, and the new record came under Republicans, so I thought it would be really fun to go to the leaders and say, you got a new record. And they were both like, I didn't want to set that record. I didn't know we were going for a record, so that was kind of fun. Last piece with the uh, sort of the people and what's happening with the legislature right now. So I'm just curious, you all covering it, and you've both been doing this for a while now, uh, is it still fun, I guess? Like, I mean, and... You know, it, there does seem to be elements of it, again, from an outside perspective, where it's sort of a, a carnival ride that looks crazy, but mm-hmm. you're like, oh, you've written it like 12 times now. And But is it is it's, it still fun? Yeah, it's super fun. I, I mean, I think that I love going into work every day. I work in this beautiful building. And yeah, there's certainly tedious point parts of it. And there's sort of like, yep, the story's been told. We're doing this again. And then at the end of the session, you're staking out people's offices and sitting there for four hours just to get blown off at the end of a meeting and, and not actually hear about anything. So there, there's frustrating parts of it, but um, it's a fun challenge every year to figure out new ways to tell the story of the Capitol. And it's really important, so it's really rewarding. And politics is fun in Minnesota because of Minnesotans, because we're really smart and that's provable. It's just a factual piece of information, <laughs> not just my opinion. You know, we lead the nation in just about every measure of intellect, uh, ACT, SAT scores, you know, you name it. And we also lead the nation in voter turnout. Mm-hmm. So you guys make it fun. And also because we have this little independent kind of libertarian streak here that, you know, elects people like Jesse Ventura every once in a while. That keeps it fun. 
What do you think? Did you have fun today? <laughs> oh yeah, so I spent I spent the day at the legislature, and it was fun. But it was all so much of it was new for me. Like I went to a press conference, and uh, you know, and I was asking you throughout the press conference, like, how much of this is just sort of like the way that things are, and the, or is it different? Does anybody ever try and do things just totally different? Like, you know what? For this press conference, we're going to sing the whole thing or something like that. <laughs> No? Wish, no, no. The tax year does sing though every year. Greg Davids usually has a theme song for his tax bill. Yeah, he names it after. Yeah. A, it, it it's also, usually like Journey or something. Wasn't old it like school? the Smoking Hot Tax Bill one it year? It was a smoking which isn't hot a song, yeah. but no. But he did sing a line yeah. from yeah. Delgado Nights, or it's from that Will Ferrell Talladega Nights, Delgado Nights. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about. So. So just to sort of end this, I always like to try and end with this piece of like, okay, so there's all these people who came out for a Monday night to like learn about the legislature, hopefully, and hear about all these things. Again, to play the cynic, somebody might say, oh, you know, uh, you can show up and you can testify, but they've all got it like baked in the cake, like what they're going to do one way or the other. But talk to us, like, what does it actually matter, like how citizens get involved and like show up at the Capitol? What are the things that matter and work? One bill, a really recent example, is medical marijuana that was completely driven by average Joes, moms and dads who showed up with their kids and had really sick kids, many of them with seizure disorders. And lawmaker after lawmaker changed their mind. It kind of thawed their hearts on it. It was real. It was moving. Yeah, I think a great example is the whole campaign um, and vote to first the campaign to try to ban gay marriage and constitution and then to legalize it in Minnesota. Um, It was all the polls said the ban would pass and it didn't pass because people went out and talked to Minnesotans about this and they changed their minds or or they were like they were motivated to come out and vote on this issue. Um, And then, you know, there were people flooding the Capitol in the vote to legalize gay marriage and it was I think it really moved a lot of legislators mm-hmm. so I think it, it really is about showing up it, and I, I think it can feel discouraging and it can feel sometimes your emails don't get answered but just come to the Capitol if they see you it makes a huge difference. And so that would, mm-hmm. if someone here is extremely motivated what's, what's your pro tip for them? What should they do? Did they hang out at the food trucks and wait for Kurt Dowd to show up? It worked today, didn't it? He was there. He was at the he was at the samurai truck. He was. We were at the Mexican truck, though. Yeah, so. we were. We didn't match up. But call your lawmaker. That's the first thing they'll ask you. They don't want to get a generic form letter from whatever interest group you might be a part of. You need to know who your state representative, who your senator is, because you have the power to vote for them or against them. Yeah, do your research, too. I mean, know that the person you're talking to can actually, you know, maybe chairs a committee that deals with this issue. or um, And also, you know, show up to your office if they can or, you know, tell them a personal story. I think that is really effective um, because they do hear these form stories or form emails or they, um, you know, they might hear the same things over and over again. If you can really move their, they pull on their heartstrings, they might change their mind. On that very hopeful and uh, proactive note, please, a tremendous round of applause for our two amazing guests, Marilyn Hammer, Brianna Beerspot. Uh, we're going to go back and... Thank you for listening. This show was recorded live at the Bryant Lake Bowl in Minneapolis. If you'd like to attend a show in person or even work with us, you can find out more information at our website at www.t2p2.net. This activity was made possible by the voters of Minnesota through a grant from the Metropolitan Regional Arts Council, thanks to a legislative appropriation from the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.